The Mishnah, further, on Dafpei, states that the names of the husband or wife were changed in the get, the get is puzzle, and if she remarries on the basis of such a get, her children are mamzerim. Taisus there explains that the Mishnah is not only referring to a case where the wrong name was written in a get, but is referring even to a case where the cipher failed to include all of the husband's names. The Pnei Yeshua, however, notes that our Mishnah indicates that a get is technically kosher, even without the inclusion of all secondary names. The Mishnah implies that the get is necessary, it's necessary to include all the names of the get, that's only to preclude a potential problem of las, but basically it's kosher, as it is even if this was done by the the Gemara. If they don't use the proper name as known in that area, the get is not chal. The next Mishnah. An almana who comes to collect her ksuba from her husband's property, she cannot collect from the Yusayimim unless she swears that she never collected her money during the lifetime of her husband. She can't double dip if she already got before. But the Chachamim made a takana not to swear, and the Almanas lost out. Came Rabbi Gamil Hazakin and made a takana not to make a neder, but just to discuss the issues with the Yusayimim and then to collect. Rabbi Gamil Hazakin was also misakin that Adim must sign Gitten because of Tikkun Ha'olam. Finally, Hillel was misakin, a prusbal for Tikkun Ha'olam, so as not to discourage people from lending money before Shemitah, since now Bezdin will be able to collect even though it's Shemitah. Gemara. What's the Chiddush here of Almana? Not only must an Almana swear, any Balchai wanting to collect money from Yusayimim must swear. So why do we have to talk about Almana? It's automatic. The Chiddush of Almana is that I would think that Mishum China Hikilu Be'Rabanam. So she can remarry and she can remain having chain to other men. So in order that she should, be able, she should be able to remarry, they wouldn't force her to swear, because if she swears, it won't look good, and people won't want to get involved with her. Kamash Balan, even she must swear. The Chachamah made a takana not to let an almana make a shvua to the Yusayimim, because shvuas can create a lot of problems if they're not fulfilled, as we learned from the story of the woman with the flower brought down here in the Gemara. Rabbi Yishmael said, this halacha of not swearing is only a shvua bebezdan, but she can't swear if she does it outside of Bezdin. In the time of Rav, women whose husbands died could never collect a ksuba, since they weren't allowed to swear because people treated the dharam like a joke, so they were meaningless and couldn't be believed. In fact, according to Rav, she couldn't even claim the right to mezainus from her dead husband's Yusayimim. This is since the right to mezainus is only due to kvayd bala, that once she asked for a divorce, she is signaling that she doesn't need his help anymore. A woman can only collect money and swear over her dead husband, if she didn't remarry, but once she remarried, it's too late. If a netter was made in public, there's a machlik as if this netter can have a hafara and can be nullified, or if it can't. When one comes to a chacham to be made for a netter, does one have to specify the reasons he originally made the netter or not? And Nachman says he does not, Rapapa says he does, since they may have originally made the netter to prevent himself from doing an avera. For example, if a kain marries a grusha, he can't do avaida in the Beis Hamikdash until he makes a netter that he'll divorce her. We tell him to make the netter al das rabim. So to change this netter, you'll need to have the das of everyone who heard it in the first place. Otherwise, it cannot be changed. There was a rabbi of children who they made a netter, al-das rabim, not to let him teach anymore, because he used to hit the children in the classroom. But when they couldn't find a replacement rabbi who was as good as him, they were able to be matter netter, even al-das rabim, since chinuch of children is considered a mitzvah. Nigbari asks, why do we say signatures on a get was done due to Tikkun Oilam. It's a halacha midaraisa. It's not just Tikkun Oilam. We have to have signatures on a get. Our answer is, we need it for Abelazar, who holds Edeh Mesira Karsi. So according to him, you wouldn't need Edeh Chasima. Kamash Blan, you still need Edeh Chasima, Mishum Tikkun Ha'olam. What does this mean? If Edeh Mesira died, the Edeh Chasima can then testify. That's what Mishum Tikkun Ha'olam means. It's a machlekes rishainim, if this takana Mishum Tikkun Ha'olam is an ikuf, if you don't have it, or not. According to the Rajbah, 
It was only an Eitz Teva. Therefore, if you don't have it, it's Nishkeferlach. But according to the Riv, it's a real Takana. So only Bidiavid without it. But Lachatchila, we have to have it. If the Malba writes a Prusbo, this Chayiv owned to him is Eino Mishamit. We know that in general, when Shemitah arrives, all Chayivas owed are released, and Beleva does not have to pay it back. We know that there are two kinds of Shemitah. This is Shemitah's Ksafim that we just mentioned. That any money that's owed to a Malva, once Shemitah comes, it does not have to be paid back. There's also halacha of Shemitah's karka. We know that uh, vegetables and fruits that grow in the Shemitah year are not allowed to be eaten. This is, as we know, this year, Tafshin Nun Dalad is the year in Eretz Yisrael where Shemitah's karka applies. But because of this takan of Prusbal, before we had a takan of Prusbal, there was a problem because people were reluctant to lend money just before the Shemitah year because they knew that they would lose their money. So poor people had trouble borrowing money but right before a Shemitah year. Hilazakin was Masakin, a creative device called a prusbal, which allowed a malva to collect the chayv, even in Shemitah, since the prusbal transfers the owed chayv to Bezdin, and Bezdin is putter from Shvius. It has this nusach written on the Shnar prusbal. We also point out that Bizman Hazah, there is no din of Shemitah's Ksafim midaraisa. The Rabbanon have the right to be Eker Dover Minatayra, if it's a shave the Altasa, something passive, which you don't have to actually do a Maisa, but they can't be Eker something that is Kumvaseh. And the Chachamim's ability to do this is learned from Yerusha. Just like a father can decide the Yerusha of his sons, so too the Chachamim can decide for the nation. When Hidal Azakin was Masakin Prusbal, just for his generation, or was he Masakin it for all generations? The Gemara answers, the truth is that even if just was just Masakin for his generation, it would still carry anyway later to later generations, since Ein Bezdin Yachal Avatel, Divrei Bezdin Chavera, Ela Imkein Gadol Heimeno, Bechachma Ubaminyan. Once Bezdin, as we know, this is the basis for many of the halachas we have today. Since an original Bezdin many years ago, who was a great Bezdin, declared this particular takana, and today we're a lot smaller than the previous, but they didn't, we can't be mevatel those gzeras. Shmuel didn't really like the notion of prusbo, and said, if I could, I would have been mevatel it. The Jews at Har Sinai, the Gemara says, were like a kala under the chuppah. And when they were chaita with the egel hazav, they were like a kala who was mezana. But Hashem still loves Klal Yisrael anyways. And finally, people who are insulted, but don't insult back, people who do mitzvahs out of Ahava, and people who are happy with their Yusurim, they will get rewarded in the time of Mashiach. What does the word prusbal mean? It means perus buli uvuti, a takana for the benefit of the rich and the poor. Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel says, Yusayimim do not need a prusbal to release chayvis in Shvius, since their entire estate is managed by Bezdin, as Bezdin is like parents of Yusayimim. A Malva cannot write a prusbal to a Leva unless the Leva owns some karka. If the Leva doesn't own karka, the Malva can give him a tiny little piece, even a piece of grass, to the Mekayim distant of owning land. If Reuven owns Shimon money and Shimon owes Levi money, Reuven can pay back to Levi directly. As we know, Venosan la share Asham Loi. Just like you can do this by a Chayv, you can do it by a prusbal. Beishamai holds that Shtar Ha'aymid Ligvais Kegavoidami. So Shemitah is not Mishamit, since it was like money that was collected already. Beishil holds. Therefore, the nafkamina is when there's a suffix, who the money belongs to. For example, if a woman was a saita and her husband died, before she had a chance to drink the mayim hama'arim. So the question is, who is the muhsak now on the money, the woman or the yarshim? If you say, then her ksuba is like collected already. She's the muhsak, and the burden of proof is on the yarshim to prove whether or not she was mezana. If you hold, then the Yarshim are the Muxakim, so the burden is on her to prove whether she's innocent or guilty or not. And therefore, if she can't prove it, the Yarshim get to keep the money.
Prusmal works because the chayv is considered in the rishus of bezdin, who can declare what they want to on anybody's property. As we know, the klal is hefker bezdin, hefker. So chayvus owned to them are not mishameh. Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Nachman says, a person is believed to say, there was a prusbal in my hands, but I lost it. So now I can collect the chayv after shviyas. This is because once the chachamim were masakin a prusbal, why would someone lend money without a prusbal? It's like if you had kasher meat in your house, why would you want to eat trefa meat and be over on an iser, if you can do it without being over on an iser? In fact, the Gemara relates a case where a rav asked the malva, are you sure you didn't write a prusbal? It's a rare case where we're psach picha le'ilem. We open up his mouth of a person who cannot talk. Normally, we don't put words into a person's mouth, but this is a special case where we try to attempt to make sure that he says the right thing. Mishnah. It's a mitzvah to redeem an evet knani so he can become free. And the Gemara brings down Rav Shem ben Gamliel. Just like it's a mitzvah to redeem a regular person, i.e. pidya and shvuyim, in case he gets captured, it's a mitzvah to redeem an evet so he'll be free to do mitzvahs. And one thing, though, with one caveat, but even if an evet was redeemed as a ben Charen, it's possible that we make sure that he stays as an Evid because of a fear that whenever an Evid decides he doesn't like his master, he'll get captured, and then he'll be redeemed as a Ben-Chairan. So we have to be very careful that. Mapil atzma He'll put himself in a situation that he gets captured, and then he'll be redeemed as a ben Charen. So for that, we have to be very wary of something like that. Not only can a Jew be kaina an Evid Knani, but a guy can also be kaina another guy to be an Evid. An Evid who ran away from jail gets to go out free, and we even force his master to write a get shikhra, and then he becomes a Jew. The Gemara says wherever Reb Shim ben Gamliel's opinion is mentioned in a Mishnah, the halacha is like him, except for three cases in Shas, one of which is Arev in Baba Basra, Tzidan in, in Gitin in the case in Sanhedrin. Rabbi Yehuda Amr Shmuel says any person who is Meshachrer and Evet is over on an Asay. As the Pasuk says, Unless it's for the sake of doing a mitzvah, you shouldn't just let him go free. According to Rabbi Yishmael, this Pasuk of holding on to an Evet is only a Rishus, but not a Chayv. Rabbi Akiva says it's a chiv to have the Evid work for you forever. The Gemara says for three types of offenses, a balabayas loses his possessions and becomes poor. Number one, if he frees his slaves. Number two, if he inspects his fields on Shabbos. And number three, if they have their main meals on Shabbos afternoon while the shiurim are going on in shul. If a person says, let my Evid go to Hektish, this Evid now has the ability to go free. The reason for this is because when a person makes something Hektish, it could either be Kedushas Haguf, i.e. something which is fit for a Mizbeach, it becomes Kaddish, and therefore you bring it to the Mizbeach as a Karba, or it can become Kedushas Damim, if it's something that's not fit to be put on the Mizbeach, the value of it becomes Kaddish. So when you're Maktish an Evid, which is really not possible, so you have to interpret his words to mean that he wants the Evid to be holy, i.e. meaning to say you want him to become Jewish. Once he becomes Jewish, he therefore becomes free. According to Rameyer Ein Adam Motzi Dvarav Levatala, person does not just stam say words, so if he says something unclear, you have to interpret it. We learn this from Erechen. If someone said to his watchman, I gave you ten vines to watch, and the watchman said, you only gave me five, Rav Meir says, the Shemer must swear, because he's a Maida B'Miktsas. Once he admits part of it, he has to swear on everything. Rav Meir held the halacha of Maida B'Miktsas, however, applies even to Karka, as we have in the case here with the vines. However, according to the Chachamim, there is no halacha to swear for a maidam in mixas when you're dealing with karka, when you're dealing with land. Otherwise, in other cases, he has to swear, but not for land. The evidence of a ger is like his wife, just like his wife can be divorced without a get, and if he dies, she becomes free. So too, if he dies, the evid goes free. If an evid becomes hefker, he's in big trouble, because a Jew can't marry unless he's, he has a shtar shichra. And a shifcha, he can't marry, because he's not a full evid. So therefore, he's sort of stuck in the middle. He can't marry either of them. It's a machlekes that we hold like Rabshimin. Shimon. Rabshimin holds an Evid cannot free himself by paying his freedom by himself. 
we don't hold like Rabbi Shimon, so if an Evid pays for his freedom, he's free and he can marry a regular Bas Cheren. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says if an Evid puts on tefillin in front of his master, and his master lets him put them on, he gets to go free. Since an Evid is putter in a mitzvah saseh, man grama, just like a woman is. So if his master allowed him to do it, the master must have freed him before. But that's only if the owner puts the tefillin on the Evid for him. says that if an Evid or a woman makes a bracha on a mitzvah we know that a woman or an Evid are both putter from these mitzvahs, but let's say a woman wants to make a bracha on a mitzvah it's not a bracha levatala, since although they're putter from a mitzvah they can still make the bracha if they want to do the mitzvah. Interesting to point out, we know that this whole question of whether a woman is allowed to make a bracha on a mitzvah is a machlekes, machaber, and ramah in many places, if a woman is allowed to make this bracha or not. The Mechaber says that the woman is not allowed to, but the Ramah says they can. The Ramah holds like Taisus, and the Mechaber holds like the Rambam, who forbids a woman from making a bracha on a mitzvah seishah's man grama. Big Nafkamina, for example, would be, for example, if a woman wants to say Halel on Rishchidosh, does she make the bracha or not? We generally, by the Ashkenazim, passing like the Ramah, therefore she is allowed to make this bracha, this, or Shaifer, for example, or other things that are mitzvah seishah's man grama. If a man before he dies says, do not force my shifcha to work, the Yarshim must, must oblige on this request because of mitzvahs l'kayim divrei hames. If a master made an Evid into Hefker, there's no takana for that Evid, and he can't marry a Jew or a Shifcha, as we said before, they're right in between. If a man says, I made my Evid into a Ben Charen, and the Evid says, he didn't make me into a Ben Charen. So we assume that the freedom was done via a third party, and this third party is Zeicha for the Evid, since we say, Zachin Adam Shalei Befanov, therefore the Evid gets to go free. But if the master says, I gave him an actual Shtar Shichra, and the Evid says, I never got the star. We believe the Evid, since we say, Haidas baldin dami, and he doesn't go free. Taisus asks, why don't we say the same thing for the giver? Let's say the person who gave, let's believe the person who gave the star, because of Haidas baldin dami. Taisus answers, it's more likely that the receiver is correct than the giver is correct in this kind of a case. The Mishnah. An Evid who was supposed to act as a mashkin for a loan, and the master then went and freed him, the Evid doesn't owe anything to person number two. But because of Tikkun Eilam, the first owner must free him again and give her an official get shikra. The Gemara says the reason the Eved owes nothing to the second person is because hektish chametz v'shikra mafkia midei shibur. If there was a lien on an object and any one of these three things happened to the particular object, the lien becomes released and there is no lien. So even though there's a lien on the Eved, but since he was freed, since he was meshukra, the lien comes off. Same thing would apply to chametz or hektish if there was a lien on chametz. And then Pesach came along. Now after Pesach, the lien is off because Chamet Shavalava Pesach is Aser Bahana. The Tikkun Oilam that we're referring to here is that if the lien holder met the Evid in a Shuk, even though technically he's free, he could claim ownership. And everybody will be Mighty Shemra on the Evid, who technically is really free. And therefore, that's why we say that the first owner has to create another get Shikhra to avoid this problem of being Mighty Shemra on the Evid. If someone causes damage to someone else's lien, it's a machlekes between Shimon and Gamliel and the Rabbanon if you're chayef. There is also a machlekes if the person who writes the new get shikhar is owner number one, or of a lien holder, so-called owner number two. The Mishnah. A person who is a chatzi eved, chatzi ben charen, he's half a slave and he's half free. How does this possibly happen? For example, two people owned him, one of them freed him and one of them did not. So Beis Hillel says, so one day he works for his master. And the alternative day, he works for himself, and so on and so forth. One day master, one day he works for himself. I.e., the money that he earns is for himself. Beishamai says, he's all messed up regarding marriage. He can't marry a shivcha since he's a half ben And a ben is not allowed to marry a shivcha. He can't 
marry a ben chayrin, bas chayrin, since he's a half evan. A bas chayrin is not allowed to marry an evan. And you can't say, so what? So he won't get married. Because the whole world was created for the purpose of Piri of Arivia. And he won't be able to be in this mitzvah. As we know from the Pasuk in Yeshaya. The world wasn't created to be empty. Rather, it was created to populate it. So what do you do with this person? Therefore, Beis Shammai says, we're forced. We have to force the second owner to free him. And again, at the end, Beis Hillel had charata. And he ended up paskening like Beis Shammai, that we do this thing. We force the second owner to free him. The Gemara. Tzamachleikis. If an Eved can free half of himself with Kesef, Rebbe says he can, the Chachamim say he cannot. However, with a Shtar, all agree that you can't free half of an Eved. If someone writes all of his possessions to his Eved, the Eved goes free, since the Eved is part of the possessions that he gave away. But if he says, here's all my land except some of it, the Eved isn't kind to himself, since we don't say Palgina Dibura. According to Reb Shimon, he does go free, since we do say Palginan Dibura. If one person hurt another person's hand, he hurt the other person's hand, but the hand will eventually get better. Abaya says you must pay Sheves Gedayla and Sheves Katana. Both are forms of disability. Rava says you only pay the day-by-day loss of work. That's Sheves. Both say you must pay Nezek, however. But if a cow hurts a person's hand, both say you only pay Nezek, but no Sheves. If a cow gores a Chatsi Eved, Chatsi Bnei Charen, the cow master pays half to the Eved's master and half to the Eved's Yarshim. If a major part of the body of an Eved is injured, he goes out free. Rabbi Shmuel says, however, his master must give him a second get shikhr. Rameir says, you don't need to do this. And finally, Rameir holds a person can be makna, a davar shalab ali He can give something which isn't in the world yet. The Rabbanans say he cannot do it. Dachman Gimel. Not only can a kayin eat truma, but his avadim and their children can also eat truma. A person cannot be clear on the specific halachas of Torah until he makes a mistake about that particular halacha. Then he becomes fully clear on it. What is a shivcha charufa? One who is a chatzi shivcha and chatzi bascharen. She marries Reuven and she was freed. And then she received kedushin from Shimon, who was the brother of Reuven, and they both died. She can get yibum from the third brother from Levi. We know that if a man dies without children, there's a mitzvah for the man's brother to do yibum, i.e. to marry this wife of his deceased brother. But if he doesn't do Yibam, then he has to do Chalitza. We know the mitzvah of Piria Verivia is only for the man. A woman doesn't have this Chiv. Rabbi Yechanan ben holds, this mitzvah is also relevant for the woman, since the Pasuk says, Vayavarach Aysam Elohim. The Mishnah. If someone sells his Evit Kanani to a guy, then this Evit Kanani automatically gets to go out free. This is a Knas, because now what will happen is that this particular Evit Kanani, once he goes out, will be putter from mitzvahs, and he'll not be able to do the mitzvah. So in order to keep the Baal from selling him to a guy, we give him a knas if he does. And the knas is that the Eved gets to go out for free. Not memdal. If a king forces a Jew to give up grain from his field, if they took it because he owed the Melech money, then he must take off Meiser. But it was taken away, Stam, then he's putter for Meiser. If a person sold an Eved to a Ger Taishav, this is a guy who lives in Eretz Yisrael, since he isn't Eved Avedizar, but he keeps the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Nayach. Or if he sold the Eved to a Kusi, or to a Yisrael Mummer. So to a Ger Taishav, he gets to go out free, since the Ger Taishav is like a guy. But to the others, it's a Machlaikis. An Eved who is Mapil Atzmai Legaisis, he let himself be captured, and the master can't get him out, then you can at least take money for him. It's a halacha that a Jew is not allowed to sell land to a guy in Eretz Yisrael. If a person does, that he can't get a hana from the money. 
But if you were forced out of the land, then you can get a, the hana from the money that you got. If a man sells his evid to a guy, the Chachamim gave him a knas that he must buy back the evid, even for 100 times his real value. If he sells a behemagasa to a guy, then you must pay him back 10 times the value. This is because he'll work with it on Shabbos. And although if it belongs to a guy, it is allowed to be worked with on Shabbos, but if it belongs to a Jew, then it's not allowed to be worked with on Shabbos. The Chachamim and Mesechta Avedizara made a gzera here. They were afraid that if we would let the Jew lend it to a guy on Shabbos and let it work with it on Shabbos, then the Jew would end up working with the Vayim himself on Shabbos. So therefore, al gzera, they asked both of them. If a father sold an Eved to a guy and then he dies, do we cancel the children to pay the knas? That's a machlekes. Melacha and chalamayid is aser, unless it's a davar avud, something that you might lose money if you don't do the melacha. Also, you can't begin a melacha on Erev Yantav with the intention of finishing it on chalamayid as a davar ha'avud. In other words, you say Erev Yantav, you know what, I'll wait till chalamayid and do it, and I'll be allowed to do it because it's a davar ha'avud. That you're not allowed to do. But if you do begin it before Erev Yantav, the Rabbana made a knas that you're not allowed to complete it even on chalamayid, even if it's a davar ha'avud. Because he did it with the particular intention before Yantav of completing it on Chalamayit. If someone makes his friend's tahar item tame, he must pay his friend for it. But if he dies, his sons are not mechuyiv to pay for what his father's damage that his father had done. Sometimes when you sell an evid to chutzlaretz, he goes out free, and sometimes he doesn't. A person from Bavel who married a woman in Eretz Yisrael, and she had the dowry of many slaves, and he plans to return to chutzlaretz, since the prophet goes to him, this is called nichse tzon barzel, so if the avadim go with him, is there a knas to her, since it's like she said sent them to Chutzlaretz, or is there not? This is Teiku. If an Evid follows his owner to Surya, which is considered like Eretz for some halachas, like Chutzlaretz for others, and his owner sells him, he goes free, since for this, it's like Chutzlaretz. And finally, a person cannot force anyone else to leave Eretz and a person even cannot force his Havadan to leave Eretz Yisrael. An Evid that runs away from Eretz to Chutzlaretz gets to go out for free. But according to Rav Acha Bar he does not go out free. The Mishnah. You should not redeem captives for a value more than they're worth because of tikkun ha'olam. You shouldn't help a captive escape because of tikkun ha'olam. Since if you help him escape, the next time the guy will chain the prisoners and cause a lot of pain, so he won't escape that time. Because if he escaped the last time, they have to get stronger the second time. And this would cause a lot of extra pain, so mishum tikkun ha'olam, the stakana was made. The Gemara. You shouldn't redeem captives for values that are higher than they're worth for a number of reasons. Number one, so as not to overburden the community, because if you redeem them for high amounts, then you're burdening the community. The community has to pay for it, unless the community has a lot of money. Or for a second reason, so as not to encourage the Goyim to demand even higher prices the next time, because if they see they're getting a lot of money the first time, then the next time they can up the ante even more. The daughters of Reb Nachman were, shot, were such tzidkanias that when they used to mix hot pots of foods, their hands would not burn. The Gemara says, Klal Yisrael is compared to a Yona, to a dove. And women, when they want to discuss things, they do it in the Beis HaKisei. So when the Amoraim wanted to find out about their motive for capture, one particular Amora stood outside the Beis HaKisei to listen to their private conversations. The Mishnah. One is not allowed to buy tefillin and mezuzahs from Goyim for more than they're worth. Mishum tikkun ha'olam. This is since the Goyim will be encouraged to steal them and demand a lot of money from the community and the burden will get too hard. The Gemara. If a Sefer Torah was written by a min, this is a person who was close to Avodah a priest, you must burn it, since it was intended for Avodah But if a regular guy wrote it, it should be hidden, since it's a suffix if it was written for Avodah or not. If it was found in the hands of an idol worshiper, some say you can even read from it on Shabbos, since it's a svek sveka. Number one, maybe a Jew wrote it, 
Maybe a Jew didn't write it, but maybe a Jew did write it. So that's one suffix. Second suffix is even if he, even if a guy wrote it, maybe it wasn't written for Avay Dezara. The Gemara says, say for Tyra, Tefillin, and Mezuzas that were written by a Min, someone who was close to Avay Dezara, a Meiser, a person who was an informer, an Eved, an Isha, a Katan, a Kusi, or Yisrael Mummer, someone who doesn't keep mitzvahs, then these are Pasal. Since the Pasuk says, Ukshartem, Uksaftam. Only those who are Shaykh to Kshira, i.e. a person who wears Tefillin, only those people are allowed to write them. But other people who are not Shaykh to the mitzvah are not allowed to write them. For example, a woman is putter from mitzvah of Tefillin. This is because Tefillin is a mitzvah to say Shazman Grama. Because you don't wear it on Shabbos or you don't wear it at night. You only wear it during the day, during the week. Since she's putter from the mitzvah, since the mitzvah to say Shazman Grama, she's also not allowed to write them either. In Taisvis, Rabbeinu Tam wanted to say that similar to Tefillin, a woman is not allowed to put together a lulaf or to put together tzitzes into a baget, because these are all mitzvahs to say Shazman Grama. But Taisvis concludes that this is not so, since we see the Gemara in Menachas, Daf Membeza, Menalaf, that only a guy, it says, cannot prepare tzitzes, since the Pasuk says, B'nai Yisrael v'yasu. But only a guy is excluded. A woman is allowed to put tzitzes into a baget, and she's only excluded from preparing tefillin, say for Tyra and Mezuzas, because of the special Pasuk of Ukshartam. But all other mitzvahs, she would be allowed to prepare, for example, lulav and tzitzes. Rabbi Shemim ben Gamliel holds, if an Eved Kachavim writes a Sefer Torah, you are allowed to read from it. He also holds that the parchment of the Sefer Torah must be prepared lishma. The Rambam in Hilchas Tefillin, Perak Aleph, Halacha Tesvav, says that when one writes Sefer Torah, Tefillin, and Mezuzas, and Bishas HaKsiva, he didn't have Kavana, when he writes the Shem Hashem, it's possible. But it's mashma. If you stam didn't write it lishma, then it's kosher. Aye, but if the Gemara holds that the preparation of the parchment must be done lishma, Kal the Ksiva must be done lishma. So what's Pshat in the Rambam? According to the Rambam, it's mashma, that if you stam didn't write it lishma, then it's kasha. And here it's mashma, that preparation of the parchment must be done lishma. And if you don't do that, then it's puzzle. Reb Chaim Brisker answers that Sefer Torah, Min Hastam, is considered lishma. When you sit down to write it, Min Hastam, you're doing it lishma. Because why else would you be sitting and writing a Sefer Torah? Of course you're writing it for the purpose of Sefer Torah. However, regarding preparing of parchment, this is not Stam Lishma, since parchment preparation could be for other things. For example, a person may be sitting and writing on parchment for the purpose of doing a wedding invitation. So we don't know what, he's, what actually the purpose is being done. That's why the Gemara specifically says that parchment has to be done specifically written to be done Lishma. And if it's not written specifically Lishma, then it's not kosher. Mashenki the Rambam is referring to a case of writing a Sefer Torah. For that, you don't need Lishma, since it's obvious that a person is sitting and doing it it's for the purpose of Sefer Torah. So it's Tama Lishma. I believe that this Lamdus of Rab Chaim could be applied to the question of a Taisus asks in Sukkah Daf Memzayin Amar Aleph, the first Taisus on top of the Daf, where he tries to explain why it is that we eat in the Sukkah on Shemini Atzeres, but we don't take Lulav on Shemini Atzeres, Ayin Sham. The Mishnah. If someone divorces his wife because she had a bad name, people were Motsi Shamer on her, that she was unfaithful. Or because she made bad Nadarim, he can never remarry her again. Rameir says, only Nadarim that a, a Chacham can be Matir, can he not return to her if he divorced her. But if she made a Nadar that he can be Mefer, even if he divorces her, he can take her back later. That number of the Gemara. The reason for this Takana is as, as a Knast to a woman, so they won't get involved in Znus or Nadarim. Or, since maybe she'll marry someone else, they'll discover the Shemra was false, and the first husband will say, if I would have known this, I wouldn't have divorced you. And the get will have been done, betos, and battle. So she really was an Ashish ish, and the children from marriage number two will be Mamzerim. This is called Mishum Kilkula. It's a machlekas what something in public means, in front of three people, which is called a rabbin, or in front of ten people, because of Ada, which is learned from Karach. This is also, by the way, where we learn the fact that a minion has to be with ten people.
Rabbi said, if someone makes a netter, it's as if he built a bama, a private mizbech, which is usher. But if someone keeps the netter, it's like he brought a carbon on the bama, the Mishnah. If a man divorces his wife because she's an islandist, Rabbi Huda says he can't go back to her. Chachamim say he can. Gemara. According to Rabbi Huda, he can't return to her mishum kilkula, as we said before, the Mishnah. If someone purposely sold himself and his children, the Chachamim made a takana not to redeem them. Otherwise, Klal Yisrael will have a very big burden. But after the father dies, you can redeem the kids so they won't assimilate with the guy. When cannibals want to kill a person, they give him his last wish for food to eat, so he'll be happy and his blood will be sweet when they eat him. The Mishnah. If one sells his field in Eretz Yisrael to Gaim, he's required to purchase the first fruits, even at very high prices, and bring them like Bikurim. This is made taken Oilam to discourage people from selling land of Eretz Yisrael to Gaim. The Gemara says, according to Rabbah, even though if a guy acquires land in Eretz Yisrael, he's never really kinded since it belongs to Kaddish Baruch Hu, as the Pasuk in Vayikra says, Ki Aretz, and it's potter from Meiser. Still in all, he is allowed to dig up the ground to make storage pits, because it still is a Samai Kinyan. HaShamayim Shamayim Lashem, V'yaretz and Sanlivnei Adam. Rebbe Lazar holds that a guy does have a Kinyan in the land of Eretz Yisrael, but he's not allowed to dig up Barasich and Umarit. If a Jew and a guy brought a field together b'shutfus and they divided the produce, Rebbe says that each grain is 50% Jewish owned and 50% Gaish owned. You must take off trumas and maestros from all of it. Shimon Gamil says the half of it belongs to a guy's potter, but the half of it belongs to a Jewish chayev. And we know which half belongs to who because of the klal of yesh brera. Rebbe holds ein brera, that's why you don't know who owns what. If, some, if someone sells his field for agricultural purposes only, Rabbi Echanan says he must bring bikurim and read from the parsha. Rabbi Shlaka says he brings bikurim, but he can't read from the parsha since the land isn't under his total bilas. And finally, from the Pasuk of Alakachta Ve'eveso, we learn that you can only recite the Parsha of Bikurim if you both took the Bikurim and you brought them to Yerushalayim, but if you just did one, you cannot. We're running out of tape, so we'll stop here and complete this parak Be'ezus Hashem on the next tape.